right, welcome to another episode of the Dream Arcade podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest, um, Antonio Marquez. Did I pronounce that right? Yep. Yep. Cool. Do you want to give a, a little introduction about yourself? Sure. My name is Antonio Marquez. I am uh, from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, my family is from uh, Rio Feocua. Um I sing in a band called Spine as well as a band called uh, Contrast based out of uh, KC and Spine based out of KC in Chicago. Okay, awesome. So I, I took a real interest in uh, your band Spine uh, leading up to Sound and Fury because I always like to check out the lineup for the fest and um i always like to seek out like a like a new band a band that i um, am not familiar with and it just so happens that your band spine released uh your uh, record faith right before the fest so i checked that out and i was like super into the record which made me super excited to um, check you guys out live at sound and fury and that's what actually led me to do this podcast because I uh, went and saw you guys uh, at the intimate stage upstairs and I was just like blown away by your guys' performance. Can you uh, give us oh, yeah. uh, like how was your uh, Sound and Fury experience? Yeah, honestly, it was great. Like Spine's been a band since since 2011 and we've kind of existed. um We've existed in this uh, kind of, I would say, it's not a separate scene by any means, but we, you know, typically wouldn't play like the, like Fest, like Sonic Fury or This Is Hardcore, United Blood. We would play like more smaller, like regional fests, um, like, uh, you know, like a Midwest Blood, uh, or in this case, uh, LDB Fest, or like the Rumble, um, or, you know, way before that, you know, my friend is the pit, um, you know, so, um, before sound of fury, the next biggest fest that we'd played was FYA, which was in 2017 and, um, and playing sound of fury this year was just, it was cool. I mean, it was one of those things that, um, we just hadn't really, I guess, been, uh, that, that never been like a thing that we had wanted to do. But when we came out with the second LP, we were like, all right, if we're going to do this, we want to you know, start playing to other audiences that are, you know, going to extend larger than just our, you know, small regional groups that we kind of hit. And so, um, it was one of those things that when we, we signed up to do it, um, I didn't know exactly what to expect. We had played California in 2012 with weekend nachos. We weren't out there. We were pretty young, a young band by that point. So, um, <clears throat> this was demo had been out, but we hadn't put out a, you know, really anything else. We hadn't played a ton of shows and, um, you know, our, our dates in California were great. We had a great time. We had a lot of people from California that had been wanting us to get back and we'd been trying to get back there. Um, you know, ever since, and just a lot of just different things that ha has happened since then. And, um, and so this opportunity sign of Yuri came up and we we're like, Hey, you know, let's, let's do it, you know? And so, um, we had found out too, that like, we were going to be one of the, uh, you know, basically one of the first, first bands of the fest on, on a Friday. And, um, you know, like as like a band, like coming into it or whatever, we were like, well, and I don't know how like that's going to do for us. Cause it's like the first day of the fest, you know, we're one of the first bands, um, you know, whatever, if anything, it'll be cool. Like, we'll just, 
we always just doesn't matter if we're playing to two people or you know 300 people or 400 people like we're we're still gonna have a good time so um we're just like well you know we'll kind of see what happens and i kind of had a hunch that maybe with us being like one of the you know one of the first bands playing on the fest especially in an intimate room that um that there there might be an opportunity where there'll be a lot of people there to see us because um, you know, we'll be around the time and everything at one of the, one of the first bands. So, um, we played the set and honestly, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I, I want to say like, uh, you know, we looked around, you know, as people were kind of like filing in before we started playing, um, we looked around and before we played, like we, you know, I, all I saw were just heads all the way to the back, um, which was awesome. Um, and that was cool. I saw a lot, a lot of familiar faces, like in the crowd, like, uh, you know, other friends bands of ours or, or bands that we know of that were kind of there to kind of watch us and stuff, which is, which was kind of cool too. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we had a blast. Um, I, unfortunately I haven't seen a lot of like footage from that set. Um, it was a really fun set. Um, we got a really great reaction from it, but I haven't seen, I've seen like some, fo- like some, fo- like a few photos and some of like that from there, but I haven't seen like any video or, or anything. I'm not sure if any of that stuff will, will end up uh, coming to light, but, um, but it was great. And I was extremely happy about it. And I had tons of people come up to, to us, like after the, the, the show and, and say, Hey, you know, I've, I haven't heard of you guys before. And, and uh you know you guys blew me away or i've been waiting to see you guys for x amount of years or whatever so um it was great it was awesome i'm very happy and and honored that we had the opportunity to play that and uh uh, you know had a great time yeah that's awesome like leading up to it i was trying to hype you guys up to my friends because a lot of my friends that i went to the fest with they're like i'm really into like the super youth crew i'm like posy stuff and they're just like really skeptical on you guys um and then i like told them i'm like dude you have to go up there like there's nobody else playing at that time so don't miss this band like this set is going to be awesome and most of my friends walked away like being super happy that they made the choice to go up there and actually catch you guys live because they were just blown away by the reaction um that you guys got and just the performance that you guys put on it was like super cool yeah yeah no that's awesome I, i i would say that like you know, I, I thought after we played, I told everybody, I was like, man, I think we all played really well. I thought that my performance was like a little lackluster. There was a, a few things that kind of came into play. Like that stage was like uh, pretty, pretty small f- for me. So I couldn't really like do a ton of stuff. And then our guitarist like dumped a bunch of water on the ground. <laughs> so like I couldn't like I couldn't really do what I, I, tip, I normally do. And like in the past, I've done things where like. I'll jump off the stage or I'll mosh or I'll do like other things. But like, as I've gotten older and like, there's younger people that come to the show, like come to our shows and stuff like that. I don't want anybody to like it, like really fucked up, you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, I always kind of like, sometimes I just kind of hold back on, on certain things. I was like, kind of, I was a little, I was a little bummed with my performance, but I, I, I think that's just a more of a me thing. I think everybody was really, really happy about it. And I'm, I'm happy your friends came out and, and check this out. Honestly, like that, uh, I really appreciate you uh, hyping us up to your to your crew because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think I think it's one of those things that like uh, Spine is one of those bands that like we've never really like had a lot of, you know, we don't I, we've never been like a hype band by any means, and we've we've existed as this long. I think 
probably because of that. Um, a lot of bands kind of come and go or a sonically kind of sound more of like what's going on at the, you know, what's typical for like that time, you know? And, um, and I think, you know, for people kind of coming and going in the sounds coming and going too with like the different areas, I think sometimes we get a little, we probably get a little, little lost in some of that. Um, so that's cool that they came out and, and checked it out and, and that they enjoyed it, honestly. Yeah, I um, remember you saying that you felt like um, something to the effect that Midwest hardcore gets overlooked. I don't know if you remember yeah. saying that on stage. Oh, yeah. Why do you feel yeah. that way? Um, I mean, think about it like this. I mean, I, to be fair, I, I'm, like I said, I, I didn't expect being kind of not have played, you know, the West Coast in five years or so. And, you know, I, I have a ton of friends out there, but like I, I wasn't really expecting that, that kind of reaction, honestly. Um, but with that, like the thing is with a lot of the bands in the Midwest, I think that um, like on the coasts, you know, there's, there's a lot of output, there's tons of bands. It's, there's a lot of opportunity to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go hit, you know, DC, Boston, New York, and, and Philly on a, on a tour. Right. And, uh, you know, you're hitting like some of the top places on, on the, uh, um, on the East coast, or if you're on the West coast and you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to hit, we're going to hit, you know, San Diego, LA, you know, we're going to hit, you know, Oakland, Fresno, you know, like you can do all that within, you know, four or five days, like a long weekend. Right. Whereas yeah, for like sure. for us, you know, everything from Kansas city, like if I'm going to Chicago, it's eight hours, Denver, eight hours, Dallas, eight hours, uh, Minneapolis, six hours. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it takes a little bit more commitment and then that's just the Midwest. If we want to go further out from there, you know, if we wanted to go like towards Detroit, that's a 12 hour drive, you know, um, you know, if we're trying to go to, you know, DC, that's a 19 hour drive, you know, so we obviously have to have a few shows in between there. And so, um, just the proximity aspect of it, you know, I think, um, I think it makes it tough for, for a lot of bands in the Midwest to do it. But I also think that bands coming from East to West or West to East, a lot of times, you know, we'll skip a lot of cities like in the Midwest, um, you know, cause maybe they just don't think that the, the, the scene is as cool or is as, uh, you know, or that it's worth playing or, you know, and, and, um, I think that when it comes to a lot of bands on the coast too, or I'll say a lot of fans on the coast, you know, there's just not a lot of, uh, press or a lot of like coverage when it comes to, you know, a lot of the stuff in the Midwest. I mean, there's tons of band, there's tons of people that live on the coast that don't know who the repos are, who are, probably one of the greatest hardcore punk bands of all time, in my opinion, and definitely the greatest Midwest hardcore band ever. Um, you know, and so it's just like, and I, you can't fault them for it. They just, they just don't know where they just, you know, in some cases they just choose not to, not to go, you know, dive into that, but there's a ton of bands, there's a ton of things going on in the Midwest. And, you know, you hear all the time of people kind of like, uh, you know, thumbing their nose at stuff like LDB fest, you know, where, you know, that's based in, in Louisville and, and they try to get bands, not just from the coast, but kind of showcase what's going on, you know, in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, that stuff's really important because we just don't have that big a push. I mean, if you think about bands that are on, on, you know, labels that aren't, you know, just small, you know, um, you know, smaller regional labels, like if we're looking at like some of the bigger labels, like, uh, you know, like a bridge nine or a triple B or a death wish, or, you know, any label like that flat spot, like any of those labels that, you know, revs, stuff like that, you know, they, there's not a lot of, uh, Midwest, you know, representation on there, you know, and, uh, you know, it just makes it, 
I don't know. I just think it kind of it makes it hard. So when when a band like us like gets asked to play a fest like you know FYA, uh, which FYA does a good job of, of putting a lot of Midwest bands on it, but like you know like a Sound Fury, you know historically they've had Bent Life play there and um, and some other like you know Midwest bands. Yeah. But you know when expire. we go out there and play, it's expire. Yeah. So when we go out there and play, it's like uh, and do something like that. You know we're not just representing like you know our band and ourselves and you know our cities that we rep but we're we're really repping you know our region because it's you know it's i think it's that that neglected and that that like not accepted i should say i wouldn't say accepted it's just like that it's just not as embraced you know so um so i think it's like kind of an important thing to to kind of say you know because it's like and that's why i said like anybody that's from like a you know, a small market that has, you know, kind of gets overlooked or, you know, doesn't get the appreciation they deserve. Like we're, we're that band for you too, because, you know, we are, you know, we've, we've kind of started out as being like a band that kind of did everything ourselves until, you know, several releases later, we decided to, to sign with bridge nine to, you know, playing, you know, to little small towns, to big cities, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that we just have always kind of had it be kind of a part of us because we've always been, you know, uh, fans that lived in small markets. So speaking of bridge nine, how did, um, that signing come about since you guys feel like, you know, you've been so overlooked, were you guys like in contact with the label or did they come to you guys? So, so Spine started has always been like a band. We always have done like our own, all of our own stuff. Aside from like a, a, a hot second there where we were going to put out our last LP with, with Youth Attack. Like we've always, we've always done. You know, our drummer John, who sang in Weekend Nachos, he had his own label called Bad Teeth Recordings, and that was basically started so that we could put out our own records. Um, it, he was interested in doing it, and we just thought, you know what, like, who else better to do it than ourselves? So we spent most of our career up until this point is, you know, you know, or I, I wouldn't say career because that sounds hilarious, but like our, you know, stint as a band, uh, we have spent um, <clears throat> putting out all of our own stuff. And so what comes with that is that we've always kind of been synonymous as like always doing our own thing. So um, for us, we haven't had a lot of labels come and reach out to us and say, hey, like, let me put out your record or, Hey, let me do this or let me do that or blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, because they just assume like spine, Oh, spines, they, they just do their own thing. They got their own stuff like locked down. Right. And, um, you know, in the case with, with bridge nine, what happened was, and we actually just recently talked about this because there was a, there was a small second there where I thought, you know what, I don't know if we really need any to do anything else. Like I, I, we have music that we want to release, but there was a lot of stuff like personal stuff that happened between, you know, the start of our first LP to, you know, because after the first LP, we came out with a seven inch deny and then this, the second LP. And so last was, uh, about two years ago, actually, um, we were talking and it was like, Hey, you know, like John didn't want to do the label anymore. Um, and he was like, you know, I'm interested. I still, you know, want to be in the band and, and do stuff with it. I feel like we have a lot of to say, but I also like, don't want to do this unless a label comes in and is willing to, you know, kind of support us. Cause we've kind of, you know, I wouldn't say mastered the level that we were at, but we were like pretty, you know, it was kind of like, it's kind of like being at a job and, and doing it for five years and knowing all the ins and outs and just doing pretty well at that level. And it was like, we kind of want to take this to the next step, but how do we do that? So around that time, Bob, 
um, <clears throat> from FYA hit us up and him and Lennon were doing the fest and really wanted Spine to play. And that was like the first like really like high profile fest that we had gotten asked to play. And so at that point we were like, okay, we're going to do this. And you know, before we do FYA, we're going to come out. We had some songs that we had been demoing anyways. We're going to come out with a promo tape and let's just see what happens. So we did that. We, we played FYA, we came back. And by that time I talked to like a few labels and they were interested, but they kind of wanted to wait to see like what the final product was going to sound like. And we just were not as keen to that just cause it was kind of like that deal. Like, okay, like you kind of know what you're going to expect at this point. And we recorded these rough songs for the, for the promo tape. And we were like, you know what, like we, you know, whoever's perspectively going to put it out, like it's, it's, you know, we're not going to go from sounding like this to like quicksand. So it's like, which would be fine, but like, that's not really, that's not the direction we're going in. And we didn't want to put all this time and effort into recording to then have a label come back and say, uh, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on right now. So like I'm into it, but you know, let's talk about it in like the next six months. Uh, we didn't want to shelve it or do anything like that. So, um, around that time, you know, our friends at Bent Life, um, you know, they had come out with a record on, on bridge nine and I had talked to a few of the guys in the band and, and we're like, Hey, like, how was your experience with bridge nine? You know, this and that. Um, and they just had great things to say about it. And I had sent them an email and uh just kind of you know seeing if they were interested and and so on and during that time period like there was like probably a day or two that passed and i hadn't heard anything um which was fine i mean like i don't know like if you've if you've been in a band before and stuff but like there's definitely that period of time if you don't have anybody to put out a record for you you like hit people up that you think that you may have mutual friends with or you might know and it's possible you just don't ever hear anything from them. So for me, I was just like, well, I haven't done this in a while. It's kind of like asking a girl out on a date for the first time. It's like, I haven't done this in a while. So like, you know, like they, they're, they're not hitting me back. So it's like, you know, no harm, no foul. Like it's cool. Like I just wanted you to know that at least, you know, I'm interested in you. You know what I mean? So, um, so anyways, during that time period, we were talking to another label. They kind of gave us that, that whole spiel. Hey, I really like your band. Love it. Think this would be awesome but i kind of just want to hear what it sounds like at the end because i've got a lot of stuff going on right now and don't know when it would come out blah blah blah. and so we were just kind of pondering what that was and literally like another you know week or two went by and i can't, i was talking to our you know, drummer john and he was like man i can't believe bridge never like got back to us like you know we kind of know those guys you know this and that and so i did like a quick search in my email and truth be told i have like thirty-two thousand like unread emails so like uh, oh, wow. i check my email all the time i check my email all the time but like there's just a lot of stuff i just don't delete because like a gmail i just want to be able to search for something and like be done with it right for sure um so in this case i just did like a search in my email and lo and behold they had emailed me twice and uh it was basically like hey like they emailed me a few hours after I emailed them originally. And we're like, yes, like we've seen, we've seen spine, love spine, would love to work with you guys. This would be awesome. Blah, blah. blah. And then literally, you know, a day or two before I had checked it, they had emailed me again just to make sure I'd gotten the email because that's how like interested they were with doing the record. And we were just like, holy shit. Like, how could you miss this? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, in, in the case of like, you know, you're hitting up some girl that you like think is just like absolutely drop dead gorgeous. And you're like, you're in love with her. You already know you're going to marry her, but like, she doesn't know yet. So like you hit her up and you don't hear anything back. So you feel kind of bad about it. But then lo and behold, she's been trying to get a hold of you. And like, boom, next thing you know, you've got like, you know, a series, a trilogy of movies about your love. Right. So in this case, in this case, I hit him back and I was like, yo, this sounds sick. I want to do this. We're all psyched on this. 
can't believe like I, you know, I wasn't trying to ghost you or anything like that. I had no idea what was going on. Like, let's do this, you know? And so at that point we just, we got together and, uh, got on the phone and started to kind of iron stuff out. And then that was enough for us to be like, all right, like, you know, we're just gonna, we're gonna put this, we're gonna put this on and let's go, you know? So, um, I have always, I always had stuff kind of ready, you know, to record, uh, lyrically and, John had had a bunch of stuff musically that he had he had been kind of messing with. And so we got that stuff figured out and um, we got that stuff figured out. That was last April. We signed the contract, I believe, last April. It was announced in June. We started recording in August, finished recording in November. Got all that. We had an issue with the artwork, which was that, that was kind of separate. But then uh, we got everything sent off. Um, did the music video to promote the record in January and yeah, the record came out in June of this year. So it was like, it happened like real fast, but you know, we were very committed on like seeing that process through. That's awesome. So since you guys have signed to bridge nine, are you guys happy with that decision? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was always kind of like, I like, you know, I like the label a lot. Uh, I like what they do and like their ethic when it comes to like getting behind the bands that they like. Um, and but i was always kind of it's always one of those things it's always weird when you're used to just having complete control over everything and you get involved with like a, a you know and, and it's not a crazy contract or anything but it was, you know it's some you know having a contractually obligated like certain things that are in your contract to do and stuff you don't know and they tell you like oh like it won't be like this like we'll be cool it'll be you know nope don't worry about all this stuff it's just a formality blah blah, blah. so um, you just think like, man, maybe they'll come back and like pull the rug out from under us and be like, yo, we're changing your artwork. We're, you know, we're cutting your songs. We're okay. This is actually a seven inch. Like we don't want to do an LP, like whatever, you know? So like you always had that in the back of your mind, but like, I'm ext- I mean, we're extremely happy with how this went down. I mean, it was, it was honestly no different than if we did it ourselves. The difference here is that they gave us the backing from a financial standpoint and from, a promotional standpoint that we couldn't do before. So we were able to record the record, you know, in an actual studio in New York. Um, and, you know, we had like this kind of funny idea of like, Hey, maybe we should do a music video. And they were like, yeah, we've only done one of those before. Like that could be cool. Like, what are you guys thinking? You know? And I hit up my buddy, Adam and in Minneapolis, who's actually, uh, um, he's like a photographer for a lot of like hip hip hop acts right now. He's like on tour with, uh, Post Malone is his like uh, photographer. So I was like, Hey man, like you want to do this? And the longtime fan of ours. So, um, we linked that up and, you know, they were like, yeah, we want, you know, we're going to send your stuff out to be posted on this side and that side and get you guys set up with some interviews and stuff like that. And it's like, great, you know, cause you know, I, I think I've gotten to a point in time in my life where it's like, you know, I put a lot of, you know, from a lot of myself, like lyrically in a lot of these songs, and I've always been content with like, you know, no, you know, it doesn't matter. Like as long as people like get it, that's fine with me, but I would love to be able to like have the opportunity to have, you know, more than the set amount of people that we've had in the past, listen to our music to actually listen to it and, and kind of read about it and, and understand it. Cause I don't know. I just, I think it's just from like an artistic standpoint, you just kind of want to be able to share that expression with, with as many people as you can, cause everything's got a timeline and a timestamp on it. You know what I mean? So when it's done, it's done and on to something else. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the thing with spine now is it's, you know, it's definitely not. And we've got, we, you know, we've got a lot 
we've got a lot left to offer, you know, and I think that's evident with with the record, too, you know? Yeah, you guys have been pretty active because you guys came out with the demo in 2011, if I'm correct, right? Yep. yep. And 2011. Yeah, because I was looking on your band cam and checking out all your re- releases, and it looked like from 2011 to now, the only year you guys didn't release something was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Was there a reason you guys uh, skipped a-, a release that year? Well, I would say technically we had a release that year. It wasn't like mass release. So deny technically came out in the fall of that year. We did a tour and we had rushed, um, seven inches for that tour. Okay. Um, but, um, but it officially came out, I think January or February of 2016. So, um, but I would say like the thing with deny the, the time between deny and time is gone is like, so, I like suddenly lost my mother, like right around the time I'm recording vocals for time is gone. <laughs> and we, you know, I immediately I had written a bunch of stuff about just kind of like the experience that I was kind of going through. And so after we did that tour for time is gone, John had already had songs written for a seven inch. And so we were like, all right, we're going to do this. And sonically, the seven inch sounds way different than the stuff we've done. It's just a darker, like heavier, like grittier kind of record. And it mimicked a lot of the things that I was feeling at that time. And I think it just took a while for us to just kind of get all of our ducks in the row and focus on doing that because um, just because of all the stuff that like, you know, really that I was going through at that time. Um and I would say that that's probably like the big reason why we didn't have like anything officially come out in 2015 was was because of that. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, oh, so since you guys have signed to Bridge Nine, are you guys going to be more active with uh, touring? Yep. Yeah, definitely. So luckily, like with my job and everything, like I have the opportunity to, to work from the road. Um, do you mind? So, uh, sorry. Do you mind sharing what you do for work? Yeah, I'm a I'm actually a senior media buyer for an ad agency in Kansas City. So just a little background on what I do is like um, I work for a few companies uh, in town and then I went agency side. And so what I do is I purchase um like any type of piece of media media that you see promoting like a a company um i i buy so commercials and billboards and digital advertising and social advertising and uh um out of home advertising radio um basically all traditional and digital forms of advertising i i purchase for 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 companies okay so um so the cool thing with that is that with this agency and, and a lot of agencies are pretty modern and, and laid back for the most part i kind of told them like what my situation was before i moved over because i was working at a big company uh i was working at sprint actually corporate before i moved over and and sprint was like fairly okay with what the stuff I wanted to do, but I knew that I was going to need to do more than what I was doing then. So, uh, they were just like, yeah, we'll let you, you know, whatever you got to do as long, you know, as long as you get your work done, whatever you need to do, like fine with us. So, um, so basically with that, you know, this year I've, um, I've been able to do a lot more, um, you know, so we did a tour in, in June, um, We've done we've done several fests since then. We did you know Midwest Blood. We've done uh, the Rumble. Um, we are waiting for the record to come out, so we did a, a longer tour here in June, and then Sound and Fury, and then we're going to do Texas here in September for like a 
four shows, three or four shows. And then we're going to, we're going to actually coming back to California in December. Um, so the only caveat to that is, um, two caveats there. I'm actually getting married in November, but our drummer is getting married actually next week. And he, uh, unfortunately is not going to be able to, to, to go with us on as many things going forward, at least for the rest of this year. And then maybe part into next year. So, um, <clears throat> so we've got to find a, a drummer. I've never, me and him have always played. We've always been like the co- most consistent people in the band. It's always just been me and him. And then, um, Alex, our guitarist has been the band, uh, the third longest in our, our bassist. And then we just got a, a, a recent second guitarist to kind of fill out the sound. So it'll be kind of weird. Um, but you know, we are, we're pretty, we're pretty adamant on the fact that, you know, with the record and, and I think with people liking it and connecting, like there's, there's no time to really like, you know, take a, take a, you know, take a seat for any you know amount of time. We've got to continue to kind of push through and push on with it. And I think we're all, all committed to do that. That's awesome. Uh, can you say who you're coming out with to California in December? You know, I want, so I've been friends with Andrew McQueen or, um, Aaron McQueen for probably, I don't know, eight years, maybe six years. And he plays, uh, in dare. Um, he's played in a bunch of bands, drug control. Um, but he plays in dare and I love those guys in dare. We booked him in Kansas city, uh, uh, a while ago. And back then we had talked about maybe doing something together. And so when I, when I, uh, when we were hanging out sound of fury, we were talking about maybe doing this, um, you know, maybe in December if it works out and they, they really want to do it. So I think, you know, I'd love to hopefully try to make something work with, with all those guys. I love, you know, Marco, like all those guys, they're, they're good dudes. And I think it'd be like a fun tour. Um, so I think if we, if all works out, we would, we would do the, 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 the time with, with there in December. That's awesome. Honestly, they're like one of my favorite bands right now from orange County. I, oh, yeah. I yeah like their set was so crazy at Sound Fury. I was like really happy to see them get the reaction that they got for being the first band on Saturday. Yeah, me too. Honestly, me too. And, and you know them and Ingrown, you know, like the reactions they got. Like you know, I love like um, you know like bands bands like that. I think it's a little harder for a band like you know like there or even like a band like Ingrown or some of those smaller bands. That, like I said, like I was kind of referencing before, where you don't have like much kind of hype going into like a band in this day and age, it's kind of hard because like the scene's kind of fickle, you know? So like, um, you know, those guys are, they, you know, they're, they've been busting their ass here for the past, you know, six months to a year, like touring and putting stuff out and like being on top of mind. So like seeing their hard work kind of pay off and see it connect with like the kids like that is incredible. Like I, I couldn't be happier for them. Honestly, I think that that's, and that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? It's just like straight up blood, sweat, you know, tears, you know, just going into your craft and, and seeing it pay off is. Oh, are you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You cut out for a second there. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's um, all good. It's all good. Yeah. But yeah, you're just talking about a uh, dare and uh, ingrown talking about their uh, mastering their craft. Oh yeah. I mean like, like basically, you know, you see bands like that, the younger bands that are just out there just busting their asses, just, you know, putting their blood, sweat and tears into this and like mastering their craft and, and then seeing it connect with the kids like that and just people in general and people, you know, feeling it and understanding it. Like that's the most beautiful thing 
that you can do in a band, you know, is for people to get it, you know, once, cause you know, it, the, the style of music we play is so abrasive. So once people get it and understand what we're talking about or what we're doing, that's, that's incredible. So I couldn't be happier for them. I'm not, they, both of their sets were incredible. Um, there were two sets that I was like really excited to, to see, um, made it a point to, to be there to catch. Um, and yeah, I, I, I hope to see them continue to grow. I know that that, like, I didn't know this until a few days after the fest, I think maybe it was like a few days ago, honestly, that they're, that that like video of their set or whatever went viral over something. I can't remember if it was on Barstool Sports or something, but for Dare, but uh, yeah, I mean, like that's, that's incredible. I mean, that's hilarious, you know, but I hope that, I hope that doesn't like detract people from like how good that band is because, you know, it's, it's, it, I mean, it is funny for like the, you know, people that don't get it that are like normies and don't understand, but like for people that are in it, I hope people understand like how serious it is and how, how awesome they are. Like incredible, incredible band. So, yeah, it definitely like blew my mind. I'm like seeing, uh, that snippet of their set go viral and then making the choice to go read the comments and just seeing like, yeah, people who are kind of on the outside of hardcore react to the video, like even just seeing like, um, normal people and like metal heads commenting on, um, the people moshing in the video. And then even people from like different coasts saying that West coast mosh is whack. It was actually yeah it was actually pretty funny to like look at all those comments just um being because i'm actually in that video so like i just keep dying every time it gets brought (laughs) up because people like my friends have been like tagging on like tagging me in it saying that i've gotten famous or whatever i'm like that's so stupid i was like that it was just like a little snippet and like it's just crazy how people just really don't understand like what hardcore really is yeah yeah exactly it's not you know those are the people that are straight up it's not for you, bud, you know, fall back, son. Like it ain't for you, you know? So it's like, you know, if people, if people took that kind of like attitude when they see something like that and just decide not to comment the world would be such a better place. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it also blows my mind too. Like, like with uh, social media and the internet, how um, m- like more uh, exposure hardcore has gotten, and to oh, me, yeah. um, it, it feels like it's more popular than it's ever been. But at the same time, it still has remained like underground. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's there's a thing. I've been around for almost like over 15 years. So like not 20 years, but like probably more like 17 ish. Okay. So it's about 2000. I've been like going to shows and a part of a part of the scene in some capacity. And uh, like, I've seen the biggest that I thought hardcore ever got. And I would say this goes more for towards like metalcore and stuff like that. But uh, I'm not going to split hairs here, but like, you know, in 2004, 2003, when like bands like Throwdown were getting like really big and, um, you know, bands like all those OC bands, like 18 Visions and and Bleeding Through and where they're playing like Ozfest and like MTV starts taking like an interest and Headbangers Ball comes back. Like that was probably like the last time I thought that it had gotten like big like that. And that's when I think there's a lot of bands that sonically kind of changed their sound to kind of, you know, whether you were like, I don't know, like a band like darkest hour, which I don't, I don't listen to them, but I know like how big that they got and kind of where they came from in Chicago. So like, um, people kind of start changing their sound to sort of like be able to blend those things together, like on earth, you know, stuff like that to kind of be metal, but still have like a punk edge to it. But, 
they're definitely a metal band now. And like, now they're getting big and they're like adjacent to like hardcore. And so that was the last time I thought things got really big. The difference between then and now is that people have learned from not doing those things. And my, in my opinion, some of that stuff, I think served as a detriment to them because they lost a lot of their core fan base in hopes of getting a new fan base. And it didn't happen. So I think a lot of bands now, what they're doing is they're not really like, changing completely like their sound or their aesthetic or anything they're continuing on but what's happening is there's a lot of people like you know whether they're like hip-hop artists or you know people that are just like outside of like that circle like low uzi or whomever are kind of like getting into it and accepting it for what it is and not wanting it to change and i think that um that in itself is what's kind of kept a lot of those bands kind of uh I would say kind of true to themselves. So like, you know, you think like a few years ago, like odd future and like the whole like connection with like locking out and like free spirit and, and all that stuff, you know, um, trash talk, you can say what you, yeah. Trash talk, you know, all those bands really kind of stayed themselves. Like they didn't really like change anything, you know, trash talk still plays fast music, you know, like, uh, you know, do they exist in like a, maybe are they more popular in like a, uh, uh, an adjacent scene? like than they used to be yes like I, I could definitely say that too but they could play a straight up hardcore punk gig and like tear the walls down you know what i mean because they haven't they haven't changed it you know they haven't turned into like you know the product of like you know you know what the music industry wants them to be so i definitely agree I, i'd say right now it's it's huge because of all those different like connections to um all of these like you know bigger mainstream like actors and, and other artists that are outside of like the scene itself i mean you get when you see artists like pharrell like big up in like the bad brains or something right like they get people like thinking like oh well, what the what are the bad brains about you know like um you know you get you get like you know hip-hop artists wearing like shirts of bands and stuff like that and like the other thing too is that like this whole like big influx of like all these kind of like soundcloud rappers and stuff that have kind of come into to the scene and then their connections to it you know and you've got like that tour with with code orange right now where they're bringing out like ghost main and stuff like that you know so there's a there's a lot of stuff going on where um, there's a lot of connections to what's going on in punk and hardcore without like a lot of those bands that they're interested in, interested in like losing what they're about. Power Trip's another great example too. You know, I mean, they've, they've had a lot of like really incredible opportunities and that band is still, in my opinion, like a punk band, like through and through, like they, you know, they might be on like a bigger label. They may be, you know, um, doing like, you know, mainstream stuff, but like they'll play a small fest in Oklahoma, like any day of the week, because that's their aesthetic. That's what they're about. You know? Yeah. Definitely staying true to their roots. Um, you mentioned a uh, little Uzi vert, the craziest thing. So, um, I, I'm in a group chat with some friends and one of my buddies, uh, lives in Philly and he was at this metal show. He went and saw some band, um, Lorna shore and little Uzi vert was there in the mosh pit, like a normal person, but people were just on the outside taking videos of him. Cause it was just so foreign to them <laughs> to see somebody so famous in the pit. Yeah. I heard about that. That's wild. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't see like anything about it. I just heard, I, I, I haven't heard of that band before, but I was like, it, to me, it didn't, it wasn't like that surprising to me. I've had this like hunch for like the longest time that like artists like, you know, Lil Uzi and, and stuff like that, that have been like, have these like stronger connections to like, you know, like metal and like harder music in general, like punk and stuff like, um, this whole like connection between like what the next, 
big mainstream sound is going to be. And like, I have this idea that it's going to be like some form of like, not new metal, but like some form of like harder, like hip hop with like, you know, these sort of like aesthetics kind of like included in them, which is kind of like what Uzi's about, you know? Yeah. It's always interesting. Um, uh, sticking around hardcore and seeing like the trends uh come and go it's always interesting to see what the kids gravitate to oh yeah yeah because yep um i i haven't been around as long as you have like i think i went to my first show in like 2002 so mm-hmm. um so oh, okay I, but but you've seen all that stuff i mean especially from where you where you live i mean like that's like the hotbed of you know of of you know that, that big like metalcore boom you know that happened you know, that was a hotbed of the OC, you know? Yeah, for sure. We're, um, we're like waiting for throwdown to come back. They like put out a record in like 2014 and then just never toured on it. They just like disappeared. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, so, um, one of my best friends, his name's Jason shroud. He's the, he was a, he's a drummer. He drummed in 18 visions, um, on the, um, obsession tour so he didn't drum on the record on the recording i can't one of the guys in the band drummed on the recording uh but he um he was the first drummer for for that era of the band for obsession and um he's friends with all those guys like out there from like way back when and he's drummed in trial before and stuff like that and you know he told me that um he's told me a bunch of times that all those guys and correct me if i'm wrong but most of those guys in throwdown are still like straight edge and still like love like punk and hardcore and like where they went kind of sonically with some of their later stuff post haymaker was by design in the sense that they were hoping to kind of you know get like a a larger audience that was a little more eclectic and i don't i don't know for sure if if they had much success with it but i i'm a big fan of, of of throwdown so i would love to like you know and i saw him a bunch like way back when so i'd love to see him get out there and and kind of do it again so yeah so i thankfully the uh the um, singer uh dave he's like a a nice guy because i'll randomly um dm him and uh by my surprise he actually will respond so i'll I'll like bug him like a couple times a year (laughs) because um rumors will start to float that uh throwdown's gonna be you know headlining this fest in california so i'll just kind of go to him for confirmation and normally he'll just tell me that uh, they're not reuniting and if I'm not mistaken, this is uh, what he told me uh, through DMs because uh, I asked him about um, them ever playing a show again. And he said that they would love to. But um, the big hindrance is uh, one of their members. He's the tour manager for that DJ Zed. Oh, yeah, that's right. That dude is the the uh, DJ form. What's that dude's name? Um I know exactly what you're talking about. I just I just heard about that like not too long ago. That and that DJ is huge, man. He's really popular. Yeah, so it's uh, I, I'm pretty sure it comes down to like him not wanting to take time off from that job to play a hardcore show. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm you know like he seems into it. Like he he did mention that, uh, and, and this was like probably like 
I want to say like earlier in the year, um, he mentioned that um, this year is like the 20th anniversary for Throwdown's demo and that they were going to try to get something together. But, um, you know, the year's almost over and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Like, let me ask you this. How how was the 18 Visions return? How was that received? If I'm going to be honest, um, I like since I've been like around since 2002, like kids used to make fun of me for listening to Obsession. And then it kind of grew into this thing where it was cool to like that kind of music. And then when I agree. (laughs) Yeah. And then when the um, reunion show actually happened, like I think it was just like like they they had a good turnout, but the hype just kind of died out because kids just kind of realized that they didn't really like the band. They just like to pretend they did because it was the cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they came out with um, the the new record. They played that show and they just haven't been as active as I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I uh, I would say I'd say you're spot on with that. I I like so I liked 18 divisions a lot when I was younger and I liked a lot of the stuff before like vanity, you know, when vanity hit. I wasn't as big a fan on it. I actually liked Obsession because I don't know, it was kind of catchy. And this was, I was like 2003 or something like that. And the whole connection with my buddy, Jason, who played in the band too, like I think kind of helped with that for me. Um, and, but there was a, I mean, there was a hard period of time there where like liking any of that stuff was like not cool at all. I mean, you know, um, especially like, you know, there, I mean, there was a lot of incredible like hardcore music that was going on around that time. And like, you know, I don't know many people going to a mental show with an 18 vision shirt on, you know what I mean? So like, uh, and I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm just saying like, that's just that, that those things just didn't really like mix well, you know, those, those styles. And they were just kind of stark and different. And with the whole like feeling of like that whole style of music kind of becoming what the new mainstream, like, you know, rock music was going to be like, there was uh, definitely a bad taste in some people's mouths. So it was kind of funny to see it kind of swing back the other way and like all that stuff sort of like get embraced again and not that it shouldn't but it was just kind of like like whoa this is like kind of crazy to me that like this is this has become like you know like these records are being like held this high like highly regarded you know as you know some of like you know some of the greats from the 80s and stuff like that and some of the stuff from the early 90s so um yeah i agree with you it was kind of a interesting deal i didn't know like how I always kind of felt like some of that stuff was superficial and based off of like shirts and people just kind of like wanting to like, you know, rock it or whatever. Um, and I listened to the, the, their newest record and I thought it was fine. Like, I didn't think it was like bad by any means, but I didn't know like how kids were going to react to it ultimately. And I saw some, some sets of theirs, like some songs that they played and stuff sounded fine. But, um, I guess I, uh, I, I guess I didn't think that the steam would kind of like go out as quick as it, it has. Cause like you said, they haven't played much, um, you know, since what earlier this year or late last year. So I'm kind of curious if that'll continue or what'll happen with that. Yeah. Same here. Just cause you know, they're from out here where I'm at. So like, I would like to see them be more active and play more shows, but at the same time, they're all older. So I'm not sure like what they have going on in like their normal lives. And if like, you know, being a full-time band is like a, like an option for them, you know? Yep. Yeah, definitely. That makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, but definitely would love to see Throwdown at some point. I think I'll um, uh, DM Dave. Uh, I, I should probably just ask him for his number instead of just like uh, harassing him through DMs. <laughs> I think that might be better. But yeah, but it, it might it might it might be like easier too to just kind of go straight to the to you know straight to him instead of through the app. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like it, it, it's it's like so hilarious because I I still can't get over that he actually responds because like um to him I'm just some random guy because i don't like know him personally i've never met him in person besides seeing him at shows uh mm-hmm. so and it's just funny and like I, I hate that like all my friends always tell me how like they see him around town and like i've never seen him and it's, it's just like kind of frustrating because like, i would love to run into him and just talk to him that's funny i mean but you know what that's 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 awesome though too like in the same regard because that's what it should be about you know what i mean like um you know, he's a he's a hardcore kid. At, at the end of the day, like he's a hardcore kid, and the fact that he still has that. So, like, if anybody hits him up about anything about his band or this or that, and that he takes the time to like respond to him, like that's that kicks ass, you know? Because you know, at the end of the day, like you know, Throwdown was a big band, but like you know, they weren't Pantera. They're you know, and like the 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 cool thing about punk and hardcore is that like everybody that plays the style of music, everybody that's part of the scene is attainable because they make themselves attainable, right? Like someone that like is easy to talk to or easy to reach out to. And the fact that he still does even all these years after, you know, maybe not being as relevant to like, you know, the hardcore like group of like, you know, punk and hardcore kids like is, is important because it just shows that he still has, he still has it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like even trying to get a hold of you, because like I swear, after I saw Spine at Sound and Fury, like I made it a note to try to find you before the weekend was over to ask you to be on the podcast. But I swear, mm-hmm. you were just like a ghost. I I, I couldn't find you <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but luckily, yeah. um, through my group chat, um, because like we're like I, I'm in a group chat with like friends from like all over the um, country, um, that are into hardcore. So luckily, I I just asked if anybody knew anybody in Spine, and luckily a few of my friends said that they knew you and that they would try to put me in contact. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and I'm glad that it worked out because, um, yeah, I, I mean, I this type of stuff, like, I love it. I mean, I'm just it's it's uh. I just love talking music, you know what I mean? With anybody and about anything, you know, because it's such an important part of my life. And I assume it is for you too, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, this is great. Yeah. And this is like, like going into this, I was kind of like dreading it because <laughs> uh, because I've literally I, I I've done like twenty episodes by myself, which is easy, and you know talking into a microphone by myself not a problem. And then I had one guest on who is like a really good friend of mine, so t- it's like talking to him was like a like a normal thing. But just the thought of having you on somebody that like I haven't actually spoken to and I'm not like super close with, I was just like really just like nervous and like crap, like this could be the worst like thing ever like it could go horribly <laughs> wrong so i was like low-key like stressed out about it i kind of wish i kind of wish that i made it uh way more awkward and worse for you at this point but that's all right I, no <laughs> to to be honest like i feel like you like i'm listening like people who are listening to this are going to notice that in the beginning I, I i could probably sound like really nervous but i feel like you made it a lot easier because you're actually into it and your answers were just like long and good and you weren't just like short and wanting this to be over you know yeah 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 no doubt <laughs> okay so i, I kind of want to jump back to um sound and fury um yeah 
you mentioned also on stage that your your brother had fought in the UFC uh-huh. and um, taken a loss, which is always rough. But um, are you like a MMA fan or are you just into it because your brother fights in the UFC? Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm actually my brother's manager, so I handle like all of his basically like a lot of his stuff. So, which is honestly like another job in itself. Um, so I handle like any of his press stuff, his negotiations, um, any of his promotional stuff, um, negotiations with the UFC negotiations with any type of partnerships. Um, especially like for fight week and stuff, I try to help figure out like what his schedule is going to be and, and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely a fan and, and me and him have both been fans. My dad, uh, I remember watching the third UFC, um, on pay-per-view where you had to call in and, and get it on the television. And, uh, my dad's always been a fan of it. Um, my brothers wrestled and he, um, you know, he found his way, he wrestled in college, he found his way to mixed martial arts. Um, I was never, the, the closest thing I got into is I, like I played sports. And so in the off season for baseball, I would uh, um, do like boxing training to kind of keep my cardio and, and strength up. Um, that was the closest I got to like any type of like, um, you know, uh, contact sports in that, in that regard. Um, Cause I played football and basketball and baseball, but I never did like, wrestling i didn't do boxing and golden gloves uh jujitsu anything like that so um and then julian found his way into that my dad actually is a uh he's a regional um used to be a ref and he's a regional judge out here for a lot of different um you know events throughout like the midwest um and like you know like the invicta which is like the uh like the women's um you know, fighting organization that they have out here, LFA legacy fighting Alliance, you know, different, different, bigger, like regional stuff. He will actually um, judge. And then, like I said, I kind of, I've always like supported my brother when he got signed to the UFC last year from the contender series. um, He was just like, Hey, like, I want you to, I don't want anybody to manage me. I want you to manage me. Like, you know how to do a lot of this stuff. Like, I don't want, you know, I want to be able to like do this and hopefully we can turn it into something later on in life, you know? And if not, like, you know, I at least want you like in my corner. So I was like, yeah, like, I I don't know anything specifically about managing athletes, but my fiance, she, she does, uh, she works, works at uh, Garmin and, um, she handles all the sponsored athletes there. So she's got some background in it. I have a background in just handling like contract negotiations and organizing money or just being organized in general, because, you know, being in a band like spine and technically I'm in two bands, like I will do a lot of stuff, whether it comes to logistics or bookings or just communications or whatever. So to me, it's not like, super difficult to do and, and my brother also comes from like the punk and hardcore scene so like he gets the whole diy aesthetic to it and that's why he didn't want to you know sign to like some you know management company that's not gonna you know give a shit about him you know after you know a few weeks right so um so yeah definitely a fan of it um and yeah that's kind of a little background on what i do with him that's crazy so did you have to deal with like mick maynard yeah, I talk to Mick uh, all the time. No, oh, wow, good that's <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that Mick, Mick's a uh, makes a good guy. Okay, that's cool because like I'm a huge like MMA fan, so um, oh, awesome. Yeah, so like I 
always like I'm reference it like on my podcast or on my website just because it's like it's like one thing that I'm like obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, to, to be to be quite honest with you, like I so for me, MMA, I was really into it up until and I'm not trying to like say anything like so if you don't know this era or whatever i'm not trying to like just throw shit out there to you but i was into the mma up until about the hoist gracie um hughes fight back in like 2005 2006 and that's when he lost to matt hughes and uh um you know then he he got popped for for uh failing a drug test okay after that period of time like i kind of wasn't as actively watching it until you know, because like right around that time, that's when the Ultimate Fighter was like in full swing, and so I'd watch some of that stuff. But then I kind of like stopped watching it between then and um, probably five years ago, with like the rise of like John Jones. Um, and it, I would say maybe a little bit later than that. I, I, I'm thinking like probably 2010 is probably when I got back into it. Okay. Um, following it again, and uh, yeah, it was. And John Jones like was for me like what my favorite fighter uh to watch um like i feel a little weird about it now uh but i can't take away from the fact that he's just like a freak you know and uh, i actually got to meet him uh when my brother was fighting on the amateur circuit um, he actually invited my brother to be one of his training partners um we're talking this was 2012 i think uh my brother was fighting in nebraska i think for i can't remember what the name of the promotion was but he just happened to be out there and his team talked to him about it and uh, my brother ended up declining it, and it's kind of funny because the way my brother got into the UFC is he knocked out John Jones's training partner last year, uh, Phil Hawes. So it's okay. kind of weird how that came full circle. But um, but yeah, so like I love I love it. Like um, I'm I'm definitely passionate about it. I haven't been as in tune with it because I missed that big period of time there. I know like who like the bigger players and some of that were, but. You know, the way with uh, the way the UFC's worked, it's gone through a lot of like changes, I think, um, not just not just from like the leadership standpoint, because obviously Dana White's always been there. But like just of like the whole like aesthetic and, and just how it's kind of run and stuff. And so there's I think there's just certain time periods where I just didn't I didn't really care for it as much. And so um, but, you know, here I am now. And, you know, like, you know, in 226, when you know, Cormier wins and Lesnar comes in the ring. Everybody loves that. Uh, I, I was kind of, I could have done without it. Uh, I don't, I will watch a Cormier Brock Lesnar fight, but like, do I want to see it? No. Like, do I think it's kind of like, uh, do I think it's kind of like a, uh, disadvantage to a lot of the, you know, the heavyweight fighters that are like busting their ass to get in, to get a title shot. And some guy comes in and kind of gets it. Yes. Do I think that Brock should fight in the UFC? Yes. Do I think he needs a title shot right out the gate? No. So, but that's a big money fight. That, I mean, that's, that's all beyond me. You know, that's all, those are, that's, that's Dana and his crew coming up with like a big money fight and people want to see it. So, you know, that's great. Um, but that's kind of like where I kind of sit with a lot of that stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like I'm like, I like the idea of Brock Lesnar coming back, but I don't think he should, you know, shoot to the top. I feel like he should kind of have to earn his keep just because, you know, he is still dealing with all that stuff with USADA and him failing that test after his Mark Hunt fight. Um, yeah. I mean, and that was like a, I mean, to be fair, like that, they knew he was going to fail it anyways. I mean, they only gave him, they only tested him for a month before the fight because they knew he was already, he wasn't going to pass anyways. So like, you know, it's not like a big surprise, but it would be, 
you know, it would be nice for him to be like on a level playing field with everybody else. You know what I mean? Um, he kind of has always kind of had like a he's he's kind of always had a little bit of a of an advantage over a lot of fighters in his weight class. So um, it'd be nice to kind of see him work towards like a big fight again um, and do it the you know the right way. But I don't make the rules. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You see, uh, they're still paying off that four billion dollars um, that they or well, WME. Uh, they're still trying to pay that off to the Fertitas. So I understand yep. why they're trying to make like all these big money fights and uh, oh, yeah. uh, super fights and interim titles. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It really is. But you know, I, the only thing I hope, like, and I like wrestling a lot too, so. It's not that I don't I don't like wrestling, um, but I'd like to keep the I'd like to keep it a little separate to a certain extent because like uh, as far as like what goes into it, just because I don't know what I like about MMA is different than what I like about the WWE and vice versa. You know, I don't want it to be kind of cloudy, um, but you know, I guess it would be cool if a guy came into the UFC won like you know the heavyweight belt and then also had like the world heavyweight championship out in the WWE. I guess that'd be kind of cool, but I don't know. Yeah, you know it's crazy. Uh, I, I was uh, seeing on Twitter that uh, Kane Velasquez was at one of the WWE training centers. Yeah, I saw it too. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that'd be so wild for him to leave the UFC and go to WWE. Yeah, it would. I mean, honestly, it would be nuts. Uh, I, dude, Kane Velasquez is a fucking stud, dude. I want to see him back in the UFC. I want to see him back like really bad. I think he could, I think he'll, 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 he'll change some, he'll turn some heads again. You know, um, it's funny. My, my brother used to, he used to cut his hair real short like that. And I always thought he looked like Kane Velasquez, which is funny, but, uh, I like Kane a lot. If he went to WWE, I think that'd be great. Honestly, I'd love to get my brother to transition to the <laughs> WWE at some point in time. His, um, a wild thing though is like, so I was leaving sound and fury on Sunday. I saw a flyer that Brody, uh, was fighting filthy Tom Lawler, right? I don't yeah. know if you went to this, but Tom Lawler is my brother's teammate and also coach. Um, and he's in the UFC, like you you would know. Um, so um, he, I hit him up and I'm like, bro, I had no idea you were wrestling tonight, you know? And he, he's, you know, he's got some success on like that independent circle. And uh, he was like, yeah, I didn't even think about like, you know, your band playing like Sound and Fury and this and that, like, this is going to be kind of a wild match We're you know, we're not going to be in a ring, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I guess he, he said he, he went there and he's, he was talking to some people and there was like a lot of people that said that they had saw spine that were there that he had talked to and that really liked us and, and, and everything. And it was just like such a, such a small world, but he has such a good character. And I, I told my brother, I was like, listen, man, like if there ever comes a time you need to talk to Tom to talk about transitioning to, to, to wrestling. Cause my brother would be like, he's got a great character. You know, he could, be, he could create a great character. And, you know, even though Tom, I think hopefully Tom comes back and fights, you know, a few more times in the UFC, um, here in the fall. Um, you know, I think an end goal being in the, the WWE is not a bad, not a bad move, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's always good to have, um, like, you know, things planned for after, your fight career because it could be over in an instant, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, honestly, to, to a certain extent, I'm not currently dealing with that with my brother, but like I could have been, cause he's got an injury right now and it's a pretty unique injury. And it, you know, I, I'd say made a big difference in his fight, you know? So, um, and I tell him all the time, you know, it's like, uh, 
you in that type of industry, man, you get people that gas you up all the time. And there's people that are, that start coming out of the woodwork and, you know, people that you would have never thought you would meet and be around and all this stuff. And the biggest, the biggest challenge that you have is staying, like keeping your right mind frame, right? Keeping, keeping yourself as like, always look at yourself as a nobody know that at any second, any point in time, this could be gone in a split second and everybody that was there will be gone, you know? So it's like, you know, people have to have like the right mind frame and really look beyond what this fight game is because it's not a, it's not a forever thing. It might not even be a more than a year thing, you know, for some fighters. So it's like, what, what, what can you do? What, what investments can you make like in yourself and in your future to figure out what your next step is? Cause once you're in, you immediately start figuring out what's your long-term plan to get out in my opinion. So, yeah. And does he uh, live in Vegas or does he just travel there for his uh, fight camps? He, he lives in Vegas. So, um, he's been living in Vegas for a while now. Um, and so he's got, he's got his gym. He fights at a syndicate right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, he goes to the PI every day. Um, the PI is great. Have you ever been to the PI? I'm assuming maybe not. Uh, no, I got, I, I have some friends that are, I'm well, actually, I, I don't know if you know this fighter. He used to train at syndicate, uh, Khalil Roundtree. Oh, Khalil's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's one of my friends, but um, oh, awesome. Yeah, but I I don't train MMA, so I've never been to the PI. Yeah, Khalil and my brother are are real, are we're are we're real close. Khalil now trains out of I think L.A. now, right? Yeah, he um, trains with Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah, and Khalil's great. I love Khalil. uh, A great dude. Um, I actually talked to my brother at one point in time about. Um, wanting to be able to kind of help him out with like some partnerships and stuff like that. Um, Cause I'm like, I have a real job, so I'm not looking to make any money off of anybody. I'm just like, You're trying to I'm, help I'm trying to else. get my brother. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and I think that goes back to the whole like DIY aspect of things. It's just sort of like, in that punk aspect, it's like, listen, I got my own job. Like I'm going to try to do what I can to help you guys out and get you as much money as possible because you know, you get these managers in here and they're like sharks, you know, but anyways, Khalil, great dude. Um, I would say though, um, if you are ever in Vegas, um, you should definitely go to the PI. Um, my brother, I could tell my brother to hook it up and take you in and honestly just give you a tour of it. You don't even have to like, you can work out there if you wanted to, but like, um, just to take a look and just see everything. I mean, you know, you got Forrest Griffin that's there every day. I mean, the last time I was there, um, before this, before the, you know, Julian's fight, I was there in May and I was, you know, talking to Francis Naganu and, uh, you know, some of those guys that were there and he, I mean, it was just, it's just kind of like a wild experience. Right. But it's worth doing once. So you should definitely make it a point to try to try to go sometime. Cause you'll never, you know, you'll see all kinds of different people there and the facility is state of the art. It's really cool. So it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure uh, next time if I'm ever in Vegas again, I'll try to um, get that um, connection in and try to go visit the PI because I would love to see it because I've obviously seen like tons of videos of fighters uh, training there. So I, like, I would love to check oh, it yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool spot, especially you being an MMA fan, like must got to go out there and see it. For sure. Um, 
so uh i know so this is like the first time i've ever like interviewed like somebody from a band like on my podcast because like i used to do it just like i would um hit somebody up through dm and just like email them questions and Mm -hmm. like for, for the most part like um people were like pretty receptive towards that i've gotten turned down like a couple times like not a big deal but one of the things that i would always like to ask um whoever i was interviewing uh like what newer bands should we be listening to from their area so i want to ask you um what newer bands um, from the midwest should we be listening to or keep an eye out on yeah definitely i think you guys should check out lurk i'm not sure if you guys have have they've been out there a few times they were on tour there before sana fury but um lurk is is incredible very unique sounding band um got a kind of like you know ramones dead kennedy's kind of like vibe to them kind of surf punk but like man they're sick you know um obviously i talked about darren ingrown um technically those guys are out from where you are but you know uh like i said uh aaron is from from indy um devil's den from kansas city is is awesome if you like um like if you like fast punk in the vein of like negative approach um just kind of like real like kind of dirty fast punk like that's a band to check out liquid swords is a band from Kansas city that's also really cool uh young kids that are um um, they're kind of going they've got kind of like a they have like a late era new york hardcore kind of feel to them still being really fast but they're they're also young enough that i don't know if they know that that's what they kind of have the sound of you know okay for sure um which is which is really cool bib from omaha is is incredible jocko another really cool band from Omaha, a very unique band. Uh, the singer of the band is actually an MC. Um, very cool. Um, time walk. Oh, uh, time walk. I've heard of time yeah. walk. They're, those, those guys are sick. Dude, they're nuts, man. I, uh, I think I want to say that one of my bands with their spine or something, I played that one of their first shows. I've been a fan of them from, from the get go. Uh, they used to cover carcass, which is one of my favorite death metal bands. And, uh, like and they they killed it like not like not like a like a punk band kind of like sloppily like doing it and it's like awesome and you're like circle pitting like you know throwing up the fist like no like it's uh they did a really good job of it um kept in line um from uh from dallas fort worth um real real nasty like kind of boston meets midwest kind of hardcore uh great band afflictive nature um yeah i mean there's like a I mean, there's just a, a ton of bands. Uh, Inclination. Um, I don't know if you checked them out yet. They're uh, they kind of got like a '90s sound to it, but it's not like at least this iteration of it. It's not like super metalcore yet. Um, it's really awesome. Really good straight edge stuff. Tyler Short's in that band. He was in another mistake. Um, Forced Impact. Uh, really cool band um, from up north. Uh, youth crew band. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, uh, especially out here, you know, in the uh, in the in the Midwest. So um, a lot of different kind of styles, as you as you can tell, like of what stuff's kind of popular right now, um, but a lot of good shit. So definitely stuff worth checking out. All right. That's awesome. I'm going to do my best to link all those bands in the show notes when I um, post the episode. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, I think um, we're going to have to wrap it up. We've been at this for about an hour and like 10 minutes. 
yeah which is cool like i i honestly like yeah. i i thought time was gonna drag because i was so nervous but um it's actually been really yeah. fun and uh time has actually kind of flown by but before we go is there anything that you would like to plug or give a shout out to yeah i mean i i feel like i kind of talked did a pretty good job about talking about everyone um i guess the one thing i would plug though is to uh is to check out the new LP, you know, like, um, we put a lot, uh, I put a lot in, into this record from a, a lyrical standpoint. You know, I, I, uh, I tried to get pretty personal, um, than I have in, in the past. Like the, the first title track is literally about, you know, losing my mind, like finding, literally finding her. So like, you know, and then, you know, the, it's the way that the songs are laid out is sort of like, uh, sort of indicative to like myself in the sense of like, you know, all the way to like basically writing my own eulogy before the, you know, before, you know, faith, you know, and, um, all the different things that have happened in my life and the things that have like affected me. And then, you know, realizing that I don't have faith in anything or, anymore you know and trying to figure out what that is you know within myself so i would just implore people to check out the record and i hope that i hope that they like it i hope that it, it connects with them in, in some way shape or form um you know i uh i think we're i'm i'm really proud about it i i kind of told the guys you know which this won't be the case but if for some reason something happened we could never release another record before I'd say this is probably like our most perfect record that we've been able to do. And, um, you know, I'm really happy about it. And aside from that, like, uh, you know, for anybody that's listening, that's out in California, we're, we're definitely coming out there in, in December and I, um, going to hopefully start booking that here pretty soon. I need to figure out, um, kind of like the, the drummer situation. Um, I've been talking to a few guys. So once I get that kind of settled and, um, we'll get that booked and, and we'll be out there. We'll probably do like five days or something. So, so yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and check out my brother. Um, he, uh, his name is Julian, the Cuban missile crisis Marquez. Um, he's, um, you know, old school, like, uh, <laughs> old school. He's a, he's an older, like, uh, hardcore punk kid from Kansas city. Um, loves all that stuff. Loves the scene still. Um, definitely worth, worth checking out. If you've got some time, he'll probably hopefully be back at it. Uh, you know, early next year. So, all right. Okay. And one last thing, um, when you said you're going to start looking into booking dates for that, uh, December stint out in California, um, mm -hmm. if you can, uh, please try to book something in orange County, because sometimes bands will do like uh, San Diego and then L.A. Um, and overlook Orange County. Um, just yeah. uh, please try to squeeze that into your schedule. I'd appreciate it. Well, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think when we talked about it, like roughly we were looking at we we I don't know if we'll play L.A. So we would probably play Orange County because what's the place in Orange County again? Um, uh, well, there's like a couple different venues. Like the 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 most like DIY venue is the skate shop. It's called Program in Fullerton. Oh and yeah, it, yeah. So it's either there or um, like an actual venue. It's the Chain Reaction in Anaheim, or the um, the uh, the Observatory, which is like the bigger venue. There's like um, the smaller room, the Constellation Room. Then they just have the main room. 
What was the place next to the observation room? I've played there before. The it was like an, uh, a Middle Eastern restaurant. Oh no, no, oh, no, no. Okay, so that's um, you're, you're probably thinking of uh, that's out in um, Pomona. So that's the glass oh, house. Yeah, the so, glass house. You're right. Yeah, yeah so the, I the glass house. Was the same thing. Thing. And then uh, the you're, you're probably talking about um, it was called Aladdin Junior. Yeah. Or okay, yeah, because it, it has two names. Because it, it was Aladdin Junior, then it changed to PBW. Yeah, no, it was Aladdin Junior where we played. Okay, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, they don't. Uh, so the, the the people that used to book shows there don't really book shows at that place anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that was a cool spot, man. That was yeah. a that was a fun spot. Yeah, it's definitely a, a cool spot, but I don't know um what happened, but um there hasn't been a, like a hardcore show there in a long time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll definitely make it a point to play, especially if it's because uh, I don't think I've talked to anybody in LA. We played LA with with Nachos on that tour, but I've heard LA is kind of hard to play anyways. So um, I'll definitely look to to make sure we book, book something in in Orange County. That'd be awesome. Hell yeah! I'm definitely looking forward to it. Oh. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Dreamer K podcast. Always on top. Breathe in, leave it all behind. I just want to see the light. Even if it makes me blind, I just want to see the light. Breathe in, leave it all behind. I just want to see the